you're looking for it. So yeah, happy Easter. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Easter Sunday for many people is a tradition that we keep every year. And uh, it's fun. We've all got things associated with it, like, like eggs and chicks and things like that. But sometimes the thing about traditions is it's easy to forget the meaning behind these celebrations. And so that is why we've actually spent three weeks talking about Easter here at Rehope Southside. Uh, we've been asking, how does the cross fit? Like, how does the story of the cross fit in uh, with a number of things? A few weeks ago, we asked, how does it fit in historically? Like, are there reasons to believe that this story in history actually happened? Like, is it actually true? We've asked, how does the cross fit theologically? And last week, Todd taught us on uh, the cross in light of the bigger picture in the Bible and how it fits in with a bigger story. And so this week, we ask, how does the story fit spiritually? What are the spiritual implications of the cross? Well, the short answer is that what Jesus accomplished on the cross is a story of spiritual victory victory over the powers of darkness so that we could be saved. In Matthew 1, 21, the angel tells Joseph why Jesus would come to earth. He says, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So how does the cross fit? Spiritually, we are saved and today we're going to celebrate the fact that we are saved because of what Jesus has done. We have a promised future of no death and no sickness, and we are free from the guilt and shame of sin if we give our lives to him. And I believe that if we really believe that, then we have the opportunity to live this life with so much more joy. And this is an extremely important message as our land is currently locked down. We are in this battle against the coronavirus pandemic and we need some hope. Even here in our church, I know we have a number of people who work for the NHS and who are seeing every day uh, the stress and the darkness that comes with this battle. In fact, I asked people in our church who work in hospitals uh, to send me photos of them kitted out in their masks and everything because I wanted to give you a more personal flavor of like, look at these people who we know who are working in this environment. But do you know what? None of our NHS staff wanted to send me pictures. <laughs> or if you did, I just didn't see them. So I don't have any pictures to show you of people in our church dressed up like this. You can post them later on Facebook if you want to. But I want to take a second to thank and to honor the people who are working so hard in these really difficult environments. Can I just get a round of applause for the NHS staff? A couple of people in the box. Yes. Like, keep these guys in your prayers. It is a hard environment. And this is a time when we are rightfully grieved by the seriousness of sickness and death. We are grieved for the vulnerable people who are suffering. We are grieved for the doctors and nurses who are extremely busy and they're having to make really painful decisions about how to prioritize the needs of their patients. They're having to ask loved ones to not come and visit uh, patients who, who are very sick and dying. And so we are grieved uh, for the seriousness of this. We're also grieved for the people we know who are losing their jobs or who are responsible for businesses and wondering, like, are we going to make it through this season? As Jesus said, in this world, we will find trouble. But he has overcome 
the world. And that is what we're talking about today. So as we celebrate Easter Sunday, Jesus is risen. I want to remind you in these scary and dark times of the wonder of the cross, which gives us hope in the face of darkness and of the evil work that is around us. So let us start with the Easter story. I'll give you a second to pull up your Bible, and why don't you open John chapter 20 with me? It says this, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up separately in a place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw and believed. For they still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went home again. But Mary stood outside facing the tomb, crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where Jesus' body had been lying. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've removed him, tell him, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. Jesus said, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am sending to the father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. There's a couple things in this story that I find funny. They're not my main point, but I'll just get them out at the beginning. Uh, The first thing I find funny, which I know I've said before to many of you, is that John really wants us to know that he is a faster runner than Peter. And this is something I love about when we read the Bible. See, the Bible, it's divinely inspired by God, but it is written by humans. And we get a little flavor sometimes of these characters and how human they are and what they're like and how they process life. So John uh, wants to make it really clear that he can run faster. Listen to this, verse four. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. And then verse six, then following him, Simon Peter came also because Simon Peter was behind John. And then verse eight, if that wasn't enough, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw and believed. John wants us to know that he is a faster runner. Good to know. The other thing that I uh, find funny that only occurred to me actually reading it this week is that the first thing Jesus does 
or at least that we know he does when he comes back to life, is he folds up the, the cloth that was on his head. And I just never thought of Jesus as a fold up your clothes kind of guy. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who take off their clothes and fold them up neatly. Like my husband even puts, folds up his dirty laundry before he puts it in the basket. Or then there's people like me who uh, prefer clothes to be just kind of laid out where you can see all of them at once and you never lose your clothes in drawers. Like I'm more that kind of person. But it says here that the, the head cloth was neatly folded in one place and the other cloths were somewhere else. And I just thought, I've learned something new about Jesus. He's a fold up your cloth kind of guy. But then I was thinking, right, but if he folded up the head cloth, why are the other cloths lying kind of separately? And then I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe actually like he wakes up from the dead. And I don't know because I wasn't there, but I'm just guessing. Maybe he wakes up from the dead and he takes off the thing off his head and, and he folds it up neatly. And then maybe he needs to like wriggle out of the other grave clothes. But then he's thinking, okay, I'm not wearing any clothes and I'm about to reveal myself to many people. So maybe he didn't take time to fold up the rest of the cloth because he had to run and find something to wear. <laughs> and then I'm like, is that why he wasn't there when they got to the tomb? Because he had to run off and get something to wear before he was ready to reveal himself. I don't know. These are just some observations of mine. Uh, not the main point of the story. But do you know what? What I love about this story, there are so many good things in this. Like, I love that Mary doesn't recognize Jesus at first in his glorified state. And I wonder how many times does God reveal himself to us and we don't even recognize that it's him speaking to us. I love that what they thought was bad news turned out to be the best news ever. Like Peter and John hadn't figured out that he was going to be resurrected. And so the moment of breakthrough, of victory, of triumph, it begins with confusion and stress and weeping. And yet this morning is turned to joy as they realize Jesus has come back. He is risen. And it is good news. It is good news beyond the fact that the disciples got their friend back. It's good news because what Jesus accomplished on the cross spiritually would literally change and transform the lives of all humankind for all time. He will save his people from their sins. And so I want to encourage you all today that in Jesus, we can be saved from death and sickness, from sin and the guilt and shame that come with that. The cross is like the apex moment, the main point of this story. And that is why it is so important that God leaks hints about the story of the cross throughout the whole Bible. To recap, God has told us this story right from the beginning and has hinted at it all along. Going back to Genesis 3, I'm going to turn my Bible to that so you can just see how many times in the Bible this comes up. Genesis 3, uh, at this point in the story, Adam and Eve are still in the garden and they uh, have rebelled against God. They've, they've eaten of the fruit that they weren't meant to. And it says in 3.8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So the Lord God called out to man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then later on in verse 21, the Lord God made clothing out of skins for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. Did you ever notice that the first ever uh, death in the Bible that we're told about anyway um, was so that God could make skins to cover humans in their nakedness? 
The first blood shed that is mentioned is to cover shame. It happened way back there. Uh, Todd gave us a really great insight from Genesis 5 last week, and you can listen to his message if you want. But all those names like Adam and Seth and Enosh and all that in the genealogy, if you line up those names in a row, but insert the meaning of those names, you get a prophecy about Jesus coming. And it says, man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. Again, that's multi-generations of, of people, and yet even there, there is a message about the future Messiah who would be coming. Uh, let's jump to Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, uh, the Israelites are oppressed, and God wants to free his people, and he is sending plagues on the land to, to expose the false gods so that God could be made known as the one true God. And at this point, God says that the angel of death is coming to kill the firstborn of all people who are not uh, with God. And so he instructs his people to take a lamb that is pure and innocent and to sacrifice it. And he says in 12 verse 7, they must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They're then to roast and to eat the meat. And then in verse 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. I am Yahweh. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So again, the, the blood uh, of the lamb, it marked the entry to the home's that then death would pass over. So in this story, blood was shed to save them from death. We just read in, in the Psalms, or at least my read through just read in the Psalms, and I know some people are in different places, uh, Psalm 22, which sounds like it's all about Jesus, even though it's written so uh, far ahead of that time. Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is exactly what Jesus quotes from the cross. And it goes on in verse 16, for the, the dogs have surrounded me, a gang of evildoers have closed in on me, they pierced my hands and my feet, I can count all my bones, people look and stare at me, they divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. And if you listen to the service of Good Friday on, on Friday night, like hearing the story of what happened to Jesus on the cross is completely told in advance here in, in Psalm 22. And there are many hints throughout the prophets and the Psalms uh, that are looking ahead to, to what would happen with Jesus on the cross. One of the ones I love is in Isaiah 53. Uh, if you get time, just sit and read Isaiah 53 and meditate on it. It is so good. But the highlights I want to read to you, verse 4 and 5. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. And we in turn regarded him stricken and struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. Also in verse 11, my righteous servant will justify many. He will carry their iniquities. And 12, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. So here we're told that by his blood, we are healed. And by his blood, we are found to be not guilty. So how does the cross fit spiritually? 
But we are saved from sin, from guilt and shame, and from sickness and death. And I want to talk about these ways that we are saved, because there's actually so many things that Jesus has rescued us from. Uh, But I really felt like these three things were what God wanted us to be thinking about today, this year. Uh, One being our eternal salvation, the fact that we do get eternal life with God when we give our lives to Jesus. Uh, And then one being that, that freedom from guilt and shame that we don't need to carry anymore. And thirdly, I want to talk about how Jesus has conquered sin uh, or sickness and death, because those are things that we are seeing right now all around us. So firstly, salvation. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. And sometimes people ask, like, but what are we saved from? Like, I live an okay life. I don't know if I really need saved. Well, the thing is that all of us have fallen short. None of us are perfect. And a truly good and loving God cannot ignore evil. Evil demands a price to be paid. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And in Jesus' death on the cross, God is saying, okay, I see it. I see your imperfections. I see the ways that you have gone wrong. And yet, Jesus has paid it for you so that you can live eternally with me. Jesus was the lamb that was hinted at throughout all time, who was innocent, who was fully God and fully man, whose sacrifice paid the cost of all the evil in the world so that we wouldn't need to be separated from God anymore. And on Easter Sunday, we celebrate Jesus resurrected because in him we have life. All you have to do is confess that he is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. And then you get handed this get out of jail free card and you can be assured that you can live eternally forever with God and not be separated from him. It is that simple. And if you want to do that today, if you're not sure that you've given your life to Jesus and you want to be able to come under uh, what he has paid for, if you want to be able to get in for free, I want you to click on the live prayer button right now and and you can chat to someone in our prayer team about this and they would be happy to pray for you. So we've got three choices, I believe, in how we choose to engage in the story of the cross. Number one, many people will reject this story because they don't believe it or they just don't want it. And if that's you, then I can honestly say there is no judgment here. Like, We're not trying to shove religion down your throat. We're not trying to brainwash you. We're not trying to make you believe this. But we believe it's real. And we invest a lot of our time and our energy and our care into really believing that Jesus is real, that he did walk on earth, that he did actually supernaturally rise from the dead and that we can know him and we can be assured of future salvation, living with him forever. So if you don't agree, like that is fine, but I invite you to think critically, to research, uh, to even try praying and see what happens and see what evidence that you can draw so that you could draw your own conclusion. Uh, Number two, some people might embrace the significance of the cross, like they might believe in this story, but only think of it as how it applies to our future salvation and and then kind of stop there. So you can live your whole life confident that when you die, you will live forever with God. 
and there, there will be no sickness and there will be no tears and it'll all be great. But guys, I worry that if we limit our expectation of how the cross fits with us spiritually to only kicking in after we die, then I think we might miss out on some of the fullness of what we could be experiencing even here now on earth. So a third way to engage with this story in the cross is you could truly make Jesus Lord over all area of your lives, all areas, and embrace for yourself the many ways that his authority, which was won at the cross, can open the door to freedom even while we are still here on earth. We don't need to wait until we die to see this. And that can mean freedom from sin and shame and guilt death, even sickness. So let's talk more about this. And I I think many Christians uh, miss out on what I think are some of the best things about following Jesus because we are not expecting uh, what life could be like. So what more could we expect here on earth? Let's look at the word saved. What does saved even mean? According to Strong's Concordance, the word in Greek for saved is it's sozo. It means to save, like to save, to heal, to preserve, to rescue, uh, to be made whole. And it is used 108 times in the New Testament, and it's used in a variety of contexts. You can understand the meaning based on, on the context that it's in. So when the angel speaks to Joseph and says, Jesus would save people from sins, The obvious implication is uh, that we are made righteous, that even though we have done wrong, we are saved from the inevitable punishment of that. We are not held accountable for eternity because of Jesus. But the word sozo, it implies so much more than this. Did you know that in, in the New Testament, it is used 14 times, no, 14 times in the gospel to talk about people being saved from sickness or freed from demonization. 20 times it is used to talk about rescue from physical death. And then 20 times it is used meaning future spiritual salvation. So if being saved by Jesus only kicks in when we die, then I want to ask like, are we limiting our understanding of the freedom that we could have even here on earth? As you get to know Jesus through reading the Bible, through hanging out with other people who know him too, you will see that the kind of business he is about is so much more than just after death salvation. And after death salvation is very exciting. I don't want to downplay that. But there is so much more. My second point that we can be freed from, first is salvation eternally. Second, he covers our sin and our guilt. Do you remember God clothing Adam and Eve with skins because they were ashamed? Like this is in the moment where his people who he loved, who he made to be in relationship with him, have just gone behind his back and they've rebelled and they're ashamed and so they are hiding from him. And his response in Genesis 3, we see God, the original fashion designer, clothing his people who he loved. So the first blood ever shed was for the purpose of covering his people so they wouldn't need to be ashamed. If you've been beating yourself up over the head over things that you know are wrong, then I am confident that our good and loving God doesn't want you to stay in that place. 
Think about the guilt and the shame in your life. I'm sure you have good reasons to feel guilty or even ashamed. But do you consider yourself an inevitable victim to guilt? Or do you see it as something that through Jesus you can overcome, that you don't need to live with? And I think there are people who are watching today who God wants to call forth, like you have been hiding from God. And that might mean that there are gifts that he has given you. There are ways that you can contribute to his kingdom that you have been standing back from because you feel guilty or ashamed. And to you, I feel like God is saying, come forth. You've got something to offer. I am making you righteous. And then there might also be people who simply have never given their lives to Jesus because they don't feel worthy, because they look at their lives and they're like, I am not proud of what I'm like and how I live my life. Well, the gospel isn't about getting yourself right so that you can come to Jesus. It's about coming to him as you are so that he can cover you. And I think God wants to call us forth today. So that is our guilt and our shame. God wants to free us from that. And the number three, physical healing. Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds, we are healed. And I would love to do a whole teaching on the matter of physical healing. But uh, since I don't have time to go into that one just now, I will sum this up. In short, Jesus still heals people today. And it is still worth praying for physical healing. Like I said earlier, the giants that started this pandemic are sickness and death. The coronavirus is our enemy and we don't want more people to die. Like I'm sure many of you like me are grieved when you're seeing that mounting number of deaths and just imagining all the people who uh, are devastated. And sure, there's some other giants that have jumped into this problem like isolation and fear and loneliness and, and the economic breakdown. I know that it's not only sickness and death that are the problem right now, but those trials only exist because sickness got out of control. Well, when Jesus came to earth, he healed many people of sickness and he told his disciples to go and to do the same in his name. So in this church, we always want to pray for the sick to be healed, and we have an opportunity to do this right now. So let's not feel defeated by sickness. Let's keep praying. Share the names with your friends of people who have the virus and other conditions too, and then with the authority that Jesus won on the cross and that he has delegated to us, Let's pray that death doesn't have the last say. And do you know what? Sometimes I have seen people healed miraculously on the spot. Sometimes I've seen people who've been healed after we persevered in time in prayer. Sometimes I've seen people healed after we persevered for a long time and fasted as well. And then also there have been many times that I have prayed for people to get healed and they have not got healed. And there's a lot we could say about why do sometimes people get healed and sometimes they don't. Um, And I don't actually know all the answers to that, but I do know that I will never stop asking God to heal. Jesus was about that and, and I want to be about that too. So if you have got something physical that you would like to be healed of, uh, I would encourage you to click live prayer and get one of the guys on our prayer team to pray for you. And think about the people we know and the people we know of who are sick right now and struggling and in hospital and let us pray for them. We celebrate today that Jesus is risen to life. And so I encourage you to choose to make him master over your life because I can tell you that he can be trusted and he is real. And you can live in the confidence of knowing where you are going 
when you die and that death because of Jesus loses its sting it is not the end of the story anymore death can be the turning of a chapter when you've given your life to Jesus so let's remember this authority that we have in him the son of God who conquered death and let's pray for healing let's pray for salvation for Jesus power to be made known to all in this crisis situation and when you see God answer your prayers like I want to hear about them so I want you to email share at rehope.co.uk if you have a story of, of Jesus conquering something of God answering your prayers and I want to hear about it so I've got a few challenges for you today challenge number one celebrate that Jesus is risen from the dead do something fun today this is a day that you can just have fun. Maybe you've got a special favorite food. Maybe there's something you've been wanting to watch. I don't know what kind of celebration you can do from your own home, but guys, just enjoy yourself. This is a celebration Sunday. Join us for the quiz tonight. I hear it's the quiz of all quizzes. And uh, number two, do you view yourself as wearing grave clothes or a robe of righteousness? Spend time talking honestly with God about this and ask him to show you how he sees you. And then number three, Pray with us for a great victory over the sickness and death which is shaking our world and that the true king would be revealed. So we're going to move now into a time of worship and response. I'm going to tell you about a number of things that we're going to do in this.